Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, Seek the Lord and Ye Shall Live. It shall be focused on the study of Amos chapter 5. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Your love, to know, Lord, that if we seek Thee, we shall live, for You are the way, the truth, and the life. We pray, Father, may You speak to us out of Thy Word today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Amos chapter 5. Chapter 5 Hear ye this word which I take up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel is fallen. She shall no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to raise her up. For thus saith the Lord God, The city that went out by a thousand shall leave an hundred, and that which went forth by an hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Ye who turn judgment to wormwood, and leave off righteousness in the earth, seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion, and turneth the shadow of death into the morning and maketh the day dark with night, that calleth for the waters of the sea, and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name, that strengtheneth the spoiled against the strong, so that the spoiled shall come against the fortress. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. For as much therefore as your treading is upon the poor, and ye take from him burdens of wheat, ye have built houses of hewn stone, but ye shall not dwell in them. Ye have planted pleasant vineyards, but ye shall not drink wine of them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just. They take a bribe, and they turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Therefore the prudent shall keep silence in that time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that ye may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate the evil, and love the good, and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. Therefore the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord saith thus, Wailing shall be in all streets, and they shall say in all the highways, Alas, alas, and they shall call the husbandmen to mourning and such as are skillful of lamentation to wailing, and in all vineyards shall be wailing, for I will pass through thee, saith the Lord. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord! To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness, and not light, as if a man did flee from a lion, and a bear met him, or went into the house, and leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness, and not light? even very dark, and no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your feast days. 
and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy viols. But let judgment run down as waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have ye offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch, and Chion your images, the star of your God which ye made to yourselves. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Baum in Gilead. This was preached in 1959 on July the 7th. We'll begin at paragraph 14 up to paragraph 26. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. One time in the scripture, after the death of Ahab, one of Israel's most wicked kings, his son, Ezekiah, followed him on his throne in Samaria. And one day while he was walking in the upper porch, he fell through the lattice. And he hurt himself. And he took some sort of a disease. And then he called two of his men and sent them over to Akron to the god of Beelzebub to consult his prophets. Was he going to recover or not? And Elijah the Tishbite, being a true prophet of God, the Holy Spirit came to him in a vision and told him, Go up and stand in the way. God blocks the way. It's not easy to go to hell. It's hard to go to hell. God sends his messengers and he sends his prophets. He sends his gospel. He makes his churches a flaming fire and men constantly fight right over it. He sends it out over the ether waves of the radio. He sends it over the television. He sends it by the published word. He sends it from lips to ear. And man constantly walks right over it. But God sends his prophets to block it. Why will you go to Achan, to the Beelzebub? Is it because there is no prophet in Israel? Is there no God there? Is that the reason people today deliberately go to drunken parties, dance all night, gamble, cheat, try to make a lot of money? Is it because that there is no pleasure in God? Is it because there is no God to give pleasure? 
The very reason that you thirst for that is because that you're rejecting God. God made a man to thirst, but to thirst after him. And if you turn that down, you have to, the devil tries to satisfy that thirst with drinking and smoking and gambling and other things. Is it because that we haven't got a Holy Spirit that brings joy? Is it because there's no satisfaction in Christ that you seek these things? He said, is not there a God down in Israel? Why would you go to Beelzebub, the devil? Is there no pleasure in serving Christ? Is that the reason man continually drinks and go to the church for our covering? You've never tasted the Lord yet. You've never known how good he was. If man ever come to the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, once plunged beneath that, the sins of the world and all the devil could offer would be as dead as midnight. It's because they refuse to do it. Because they refuse to receive the Holy Spirit. God's bomb is the reason they do. It reminds me of a man dying on a doctor's doorstep. A man dying on a doctor's doorstep because that he refuses to take the remedy for his disease. If the doctor's got the remedy for your disease, and you say, I won't take it, you could sit on his doorstep that close to it, and you still die because you refuse the remedy. Then don't lay it on to the doctor. He's got the remedy. He's got the thing for your inoculation. But it's your stubbornness not to receive it. It wasn't because there wasn't a God in Israel. It wasn't because there wasn't a prophet down there. It was because the king was too stubborn. He hated the prophet. That's what's the matter today. There's satisfaction. There's healing for soul and body. In God, in Christ. But the people are too stubborn. They're like Ezekiah of long ago. They want to be modern. They hate the gospel message. That's the reason they die in their sins on the church steps. Man sit in the seats in their churches and die in sin because they refuse God's remedy, the Holy Spirit. Not because he's not there. It's because they refuse to recognize it and receive it. That king hated the prophet and his gospel. So he thought he could get some other way and get relief. Satisfy his longing. Let me say to this, this to you rather tonight, my most beloved friends, you can never have satisfaction. You may own all the wealth there is in Tennessee. You may live in the best house and drive air-conditioned Cadillacs by the feet. 
You may be very popular on the dance floor. You may be the king of your party, the life and the fun of your group, but you'll never be satisfied until you've tasted God's eternal life by the Holy Spirit. That's God's toxin. That's the only thing. How they find toxin? They take a guinea pig and they take toxin and work it out and then they take this toxin and give it to a guinea pig. If it works all right on the guinea pig, then they give it to human beings. Sometimes it doesn't work well on the human beings because the guinea pig's body is just not exactly like a human being. Some medicine will help some people and kill others. So there is a question on that about taking the medicine. But there's no question on God's bomb, his toxin. It works on whosoever will. Let him come that he might drink from the fountain of the Lord. It's not questioned. They work this down and give it to the guinea pig and watch his reaction. The world isn't dying of, number one killer isn't heart's disease in the world today, as we are told. Number one killer is sin disease. It's the disease of sin that's killing the world. I've often made this statement that it isn't the robin that pecked on the apple that kills the apple. It's the worm at the core that kills the apple. It isn't communism that's killing America. It, it isn't any other nation that's polluting this nation. It's the sin that's in this nation that's polluting itself. It's the immorals of the people and thousands of those are called Christians by name. The world sees no different in them than any other person. Therefore, their Christianity is too weak. Please, will you excuse this rude, most rude expression? I do not say it to be bad. I do not say it with malice. I say it with love. Last Saturday, wife and I were going to the grocery. And our little city is just about 37,000 in population. And they have a new shopping center, which all the people goes out to this Youngstown shopping center on Saturday because many of the great chain stores are there. And as we drove, of the hundreds of women we passed, we found one with a skirt on. The rest of them were dressed so immorally. My wife said to me, she said, Billy, look, don't you believe that that woman knows that she's naked? I said, I don't think so. She said, if she doesn't know she's naked, then she's out of her mind. I said, no, she's just an American. She follows the American trend. 
She acts like the rest of the Americans does. Well, she said, then, aren't we Americans? I said, as citizenship of our flesh we are, but we are pilgrims and we are strangers here, and we are seeking a city to come. I said, that's the reason one American difference from the other. Our spirits has been born from above, and in that land where we come from, the nature and the habits of that land is holiness. Cleansingness, godliness, and if the spirit of that land moves into us, then this land is strange to us, cause your soul and your spirit motivate you. It makes you what you are, and you'll never be able to join churches and get that out of you. You'll still be a church member and make fun of people who preach against such immorals. You've got to be born again from above. Then you are new creatures in Christ Jesus, and you're as Abraham was, you're his children. You are seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. That's why you act different. That's why you see things different. You never get customized to this world because you're from above. You act like the kingdom you belong in. I'm glad to be a citizen of America. I think it's the best. But, oh, brother, I'd hate to trust that would be my salvation. The American spirit is vulgarity, evil. Every kingdom in the world is controlled by the devil. The Bible said so. Satan said, these are all mine to do with them whatever I want to. Jesus never denied it. But he knew he was going to fall heir to him in the millennium. And he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. And over in the scripture said, Rejoice ye heavens and all ye earth, for the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Yes, it makes a difference. Some people say, I just can't keep from smoking, I can't keep from drinking. The reason you do this is because you refuse the toxin against it. You always do it until you take the toxin, until you get inoculated. The reason people does this is that's the reason we've got so many different denominational churches. They do this, they know it's scripture, so they try to bypass it. And many of the great holiness churches is falling into that same rut. Trying to bypass it. Go up and shake hands with the minister and say, I believe Christ to be the Son of God. The devil does the same thing. The reason they do that is to try to bypass the new birth. Now, I do not wish you to think I'm sacrilegious. But I want to make a statement and listen close. Any kind of a birth is a mess. If a birth is in the barnyard, a calf, it's a mess. If a birth is anywhere, if it's on a bed of shucks or a straw ticker in a paint-decorated hospital, it's still a mess. 
And this new birth is nothing less than a mess. You get up from the altar crying and boo-hooing and carrying on. It makes a starchy church think you don't have to do that. But through that new birth brings new life. You can only have it as you're ready to get all messed up. When you get the starch out of you. When you get away from the self-style hypocrisy that we live in today and are willing to pay the price and lay there until you are dead to the things of the world and reborn again by the Holy Spirit. They bypass it. We take our ministers and make great doctors of divinity out of them instead of giving them the new birth. Many of our seminaries take the man and try to educate him. Education is a wonderful thing, but education will never substitute salvation or the new birth. It cannot do it. God has a program and we must measure up to that program. We try to teach our ministers knowledge. We are to teach them the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're to teach them Christ, but we're trying to get a better class of people among us. There's no better class of people than born-again Christians. They may be peculiar, act peculiar, look peculiar, dress peculiar, but they are peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, offering spiritual sacrifices, the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. Certainly, knowledge. That's the first thing that took a man away from God. When in the Garden of Eden there was a tree of knowledge, when Adam took the first bite, he separated himself from God. But we tried to teach knowledge, educate the people into the program of God. You cannot do it. Education's all right. It's a very fine thing. But let me say this, it'll never take the place of the new birth or God's provision for salvation. Could you imagine a little canary bird jump up on a little limb in the cage where other canary birds are? And he would say something like this. My fellow canaries, pull his little glasses, as it were, over his nose as a professor, and say, I have been studying. I have acquired a lot of knowledge. I begin to know all about these human beings. Oh, I know them from A to Z. Just about like we try to know God. And then the first thing you know, a professor of Purdue comes up. He said, good morning, my little insignificant friend. And begins to speak some great words to the little canary. And he's embarrassed. He turns his little head. He listens. He's got eyes. He can see him. He's got ears. He can hear him. But he can't understand him. Why? He's got a canary brain. And that's about the way it is with us, with our human knowledge. How are we going to understand God the supernatural with a natural mind, with knowledge? Sometimes I don't want to say a joke. It's not a joke. But it, we act like we got canary brain when we do that. We do not understand God and cannot understand God no other way than there's not by knowledge but by the revelation by the Holy Ghost 
is the only way. The Scripture even says no man can say Jesus is the Christ only by the Holy Ghost. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy word and to recognize that there is balm in Gilead. We pray, Father, may the word change us as you intended for it to do, for you said your word will not return unto your void. We thank thee for all these great blessings. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Yeah.